0: The following message is brought to you by the Teaching and Preaching Ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open them and turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 18 this morning. The Gospel of Luke, chapter number 18. In just a moment, I'll be reading here from verse number 31. Uh, This morning, in preparation uh, for our resurrection services, uh, Pastor Nick is going to come and bring a message on the mercy of Christ. Uh, from the Palm Sunday passage of Scripture. I think it'll be a real challenge to us. It'll be an encouragement. For those of you who do not know Pastor Nick, he is our Connections Pastor. Uh, We have an incredibly vibrant small groups ministry here at Ambassador Baptist Church. In fact, this is the very first year where now we have literally small groups meeting every night of the week here in Fresno. And it's been our vision for a lot of years with our small groups that we would get to the place where we are having church every day in every neighborhood. That's our vision, that's our goal, and that's our prayer request. And now we are officially have groups. We're meeting now every day across our city. And uh, with a few more years and a little bit more um, energy, I think we're going to get to a place where eventually we also have groups meeting in every neighborhood in Fresno. And so we're halfway to our vision, our goal on that one. We now have them every day. And now we're looking forward to getting them into every single neighborhood. And so let's look the gospel of Luke chapter number 18. We'll begin reading in verse number thirty one. The Bible says in Luke chapter number 18, verse 31, Then he took unto him the twelve, he being Jesus, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and and spitefully entreated, and spitted upon. And they shall scourge him and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. Well, as Pastor said this morning, uh, I'd like to speak on the
1: subject of the mercy of Jesus. And as we look at Palm Sunday, uh, Palm Sunday is the day in the church history when we traditionally say this is the day that Jesus entered into Jerusalem. This is the last week of Jesus' life. And so Sunday is the day that we recognize that, and it's the day we celebrate that. Palm Sunday is a a day of great insight. But it was also a day of great misunderstanding. You see, the great insight was the king has come. The Messiah is here, the ruler of Israel. He has come, and he is entering triumphantly into Jerusalem. But the great misunderstanding was the disciples thought he was coming to overthrow Rome, like we saw in the video. The misunderstanding was he was going to liberate them from Rome. And while, yes, the Messiah came to liberate, it was to liberate from our sin. And yes, he came to conquer, but it wasn't Rome, it was to conquer death. And so it's a great it's a day of great insight, but it's also a day of great misunderstanding. And as you're going to see as we move through the events surrounding Palm Sunday, that misunderstanding led the disciples to do some things and Jesus had to call them out on it. This morning we're going to look at the events that lead up to Jesus going into Jerusalem, the events that led up to Jesus entering into the city, the events that led up to Palm Sunday, and ultimately the events that led to Jesus dying on the cross. And as we look at these events, and as we look at these different passages of Scripture, the one attribute of Jesus that shines through the brightest is his mercy. Uh, I think we have a picture up on the screens. If you were to go to a dictionary, uh, screen, I should say, screen, yeah. If you were to go to dictionary or thesaurus.com and you were to type in the word mercy, and you were to scroll down, you would see some antonyms for mercy. You say, Nick, why are you giving us the opposite of the word Mercy. Because sometimes, I don't know about you, but for me, when I look at the definition of a word, like mercy, I think, oh yeah, I've got that, no problem, no sweat. And then I start looking at some of the opposites, and I'm like, oh, maybe I don't have it so much. So this morning, I want to start, before we look at the definition of mercy, I want to look at some of the opposites. Disapproval. How many of you have ever, don't raise your hand, don't point to anybody, but how many of you in your heart, you've ever felt somebody's disapproval of you? Man, you did something and they didn't like it and you felt their disapproval. They let you know, I do not approve of that. I don't approve of you right now. Maybe you felt their disdain. Man, you, you did something and maybe it was an accident, maybe maybe it wasn't, maybe it's something that needs to be addressed and worked out. But regardless, you felt their disdain. You felt their ill will. When that person, maybe they think of you and they they get frustrated and they get agitated and they just get annoyed because it's like, ah, I can't even look at that person. I can't even think about that person without getting annoyed and upset, ill will, malevolence, meanness, mercilessness, selfishness, unkindness, these are the opposites of mercy and all of us have been on the receiving end of this. All of us have had people do things that were unkind. We've all felt somebody's ill will but if we're to be honest with ourselves, while we've been on the receiving end of it, We've also been on the giving end of it, haven't we? And typically it happens when we're on the receiving end of it. So we receive somebody's disapproval, and what do we do? Boom, we give it right back. We give that disapproval. We give that disdain. We give that ill will. And if we're all to be honest with, us, with ourselves this morning, just like we've received it, we've also given it. We've given here the opposites of mercy. So what does mercy mean? Mercy is compassionate or kindly forbearance shown towards an offender. So somebody that shows you ill will... Somebody that shows you disdain. Somebody that doesn't like you. Somebody that is mean towards you or unkind to you. Mercy is compassionate or kindly forbearance. You're kindly dealing with, forbearing, shown towards an offender, an enemy, or a person in one's power. And as we look at the events that led up to the cross, Jesus' mercy, we're going to see, manifests itself in three separate ways. Three separate ways. We see the mercy of Jesus given towards us, the offender, because before Christ, we're all the offender. Without Jesus, we're all his enemy. I love the song we sang this morning, once your enemy, now seated at your table. We're going to see how his mercy was manifested towards us. Let's look at our text again, Luke 18, 31. I want you to notice this. The Bible says, then he took unto him the 12. So Jesus pulls aside the 12 disciples. He says, hey guys, come over here. I have something I want to tell you. Behold, look, we go up to Jerusalem, we're going to Jerusalem, and all the things that were written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. Everything that's been prophesied, guys, it's about to happen. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles. He's going to be turned over to the Romans. He shall be mocked. He shall be spitefully entreated. He shall be spitted upon. They shall scourge him. That word scourge, they literally whipped him until his flesh ripped apart. They shall scourge him and the third day, or, and they shall put him to death. You see, the first manifestation... Of the mercy of Jesus is the sacrificial mercy of Jesus. The sacrificial mercy of Jesus. Jesus makes the decision to go to Jerusalem knowing all the horrible things that were going to happen to him. Jesus decided. He went to Jerusalem knowing he was going to be crucified. The mercy of Jesus drove him to sacrifice for you and to sacrifice for me. Jesus denied himself the comforts, the securities. And the ease of avoiding other people's pain. And what did he do? He embraced it. He sacrificed because of his mercy. If you go back a couple chapters in the book of Luke to Luke chapter number nine, at this point, Jesus is now switching his earthly ministry. He's getting ready to go to Jerusalem in Luke chapter number nine. The Bible says, And it came to pass that when the time was come that he should be received up. So Jesus knows all the way back in Luke chapter number nine, his ministry is switching. He's getting ready to go to Jerusalem, he's looking forward to the cross. He says, at the time when he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Jesus knew all the horrible things that were going to happen. His mercy drove him to sacrifice. Jesus knew the agonies that were coming. Jesus knew he was going to be betrayed by one of his closest friends. Jesus knew he was going to be beaten and have to endure a trial that was rigged. It wasn't a fair trial. He knew that. He knew he was going to be beaten. He knew he was going to be betrayed by his own people and turned over to the Roman authorities. He knew he was going to be whipped to the point where he was unrecognizable. Whipped, his body so badly beaten and torn apart, you couldn't recognize him. Jesus knew that that was going to happen. Jesus knew he was going to be crucified. Jesus knew he was going to be punished for sins he did not commit. He knew his own father was going to forsake him. And yet, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Jesus' mercy, the mercy of Jesus, drove him to sacrifice. I love how in the moments before the cross, when Jesus is praying at the Garden of Gethsemane, you can see his humanity really shine through. He's in the garden, and he's praying, and he prays, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but your be done. You see, in that prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, you see Jesus subordinating his loudest desires to his deepest desires. The loudest desire of Jesus wanted to let this cup pass. The loudest desire of Jesus said, "Is it p- I want to avoid the pain that would lead to my death. He wanted to avoid the spiritual pain of being punished for our sins. He wanted to avoid that. His loudest desire wanted that. But his deepest desire was to glorify his Father. His deepest desire was, Lord, not my will, but your will. His deepest desire was to die in our place so that we could be restored to our heavenly Father. His deepest desire was to provide salvation. And so he ignored his loudest desire so that he could follow through with his deepest desire. His mercy drove him to sacrifice. The mercy of Jesus drove us to sacri- drove him to sacrifice. Can I ask us this question this morning? Where is our loudest desire? Drowning out our deepest desire. You see, the moment we got saved, the Holy Spirit took up residence in our heart. The moment we got saved, Christ gave us a new nature. And that new nature wants to show His mercy. That new nature wants to share the mercy of Jesus with those around us. That new nature wants to share the mercy of Jesus with our fellow Christians. But oftentimes, our loudest desire, our desire for comfort, our desire to just take it easy, our loudest desire to just look the other way and pretend there's not an issue... Our loudest desire often drowns out our deepest desire. This afternoon at 4 and 4.30, we're going to have two teams that are going to go out, and they're going to share the mercy of Jesus. We have a team at 4 o'clock. They're going to go out, and they're going to share the mercy of Jesus with the homeless in Fresno. We have another team at 4.30 that's going to go out, and it's going to let the people know about Easter, about what Jesus Christ did for them on the cross. These teams are going to go out and share his mercy. There's no doubt that their loudest desire would be to take a nap. There's no doubt that their loudest desire probably wants to be just to take it easy and to kick back and enjoy a Sunday afternoon. But their deepest desire, our deepest desire, is to share the mercy of Jesus. The mercy of Jesus drove him to sacrifice. And when, our deep, when, we, re, when we realize our deepest desire is to share his mercy, we will too. We will too. Our deepest desire wants to share his mercy and is willing to sacrifice so that other people can experience his mercy as well. The mercy of Jesus moved him to sacrificial action. He knew everything was going to happen, and yet he went, and he sacrificed. But let's notice the next manifestation of his mercy this morning. Flip over to Luke chapter 19. Luke 19, verse uh, number 41. The Bible says that when he was come near, he beheld the city. So when Jesus comes near to the city, He's injured, or he's not in Jerusalem, but he's on his way. He's right there. No doubt he's looking up over on a hill so he can see the entire city. He looks out over the city. And I want you to notice his, the, his reaction, the last four words of verse 41. What's the Bible say? And he wept over it. Now, I'll get these next few verses. Verse 42, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou at the last, and this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, Jesus is saying, If only you realize I am your peace, I am your Savior, I am your Messiah. But now these things are hid from your eyes. For the day shall come upon thee that thy enemies shall cast a trench about thee and shall compass thee round about and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even in the ground and thy children with thee and they shall not leave thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Here you see Jesus weeping because Jerusalem rejected her Messiah. Jesus is weeping because he knows Jerusalem has rejected her Messiah, and he knows the destruction that's coming. Jerusalem rejected their Savior. Jerusalem rejected their peace. Jerusalem rejected it. And Jesus is weeping because he knows you sealed your own fate. Which leads us to the next thought this morning, the sympathetic mercy of Jesus. Jesus weeps over those that reject him. Jesus weeps because of the inevitable destruction that will come to those who reject him. The mercy of Jesus led him to die for our sins. And yet Jesus knew not everyone would accept him. And he weeps. His heart breaks for the inevitable destruction of rejecting him. There's no, there's no smugness in Jesus. There's no, well, they're going to get what they deserved, even though they do. <laughs> they, they earn, the wages of sin is death. But the heart of Jesus breaks and it weeps. There's no smugness. There's no you got what you had coming to you. There's no I told you so. There's a broken heart that weeps because of his mercy. He weeps. If you go back to Luke chapter number nine, when Jesus is setting his face to Jerusalem, he's making this transition in his ministry. So he and his disciples, his public ministry now is winding down in Luke chapter number nine. And he goes, and he gets ready to go to Jerusalem. And on the way, the Bible says in Luke 9, 52, he sent messengers before his face. Jesus, he sends messengers before him as they're on their way to Jerusalem. And they went, and they entered, a vid- entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And get this, the village, it's the Bible says, and they did not receive him. The discip- this village rejected Jesus, because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they saw that Jesus was rejected. They saw this village say, no, we're not going to allow the Messiah to come. When they saw this, because remember, they're still thinking we're, we're on the war path. We're going to go take over Rome. When they saw this, the disciples, look at their response. And when his disciples, James and John, the sons of thunder, when they saw this, look at their response. They said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just like Elias? Lord, they rejected you. Let us call down fire so they can consume the wrath. Let them, let's call down fire, God, so they can endure their pain for rejecting you. Let's call down fire. But notice Jesus' response. But he turned, and he rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit you're of. For The Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Jesus, he looks at his disciples and says, Guys, you want to call down fire, and you don't even know where that spirit is coming from. You don't even know where that attitude is coming from. He's telling his disciples, an attitude that craves destruction is not from me. This is not my spirit working in you. My spirit leads you to give mercy. My spirit is here to save men's lives and not destroy them. Jesus says, no, don't don't call down fire. That's not what I'm about. A vengeful spirit is not the spirit of Jesus. It's his mercy that shines through. Now here's here's how this applies to us. When someone has to deal with the messiness of their sin. So as Christians, when we sin, it makes a mess. <laughs> uh, that's, that's no surprise to anyone. But when we, see, when we see somebody dealing with the messiness of their sin, Jesus does not delight in that. His heart breaks. He breaks when he sees somebody dealing with the messiness of their sin. He breaks when he sees them having to go through that. His heart breaks because he is merciful towards us. Let me ask you this. Does our spirit get annoyed or does it rejoice when we see someone dealing with the messiness of their sin? Or do we grieve like Jesus? You see, oftentimes when the messiness of somebody's sin messes with my life, when it messes with Nick Minerva, I'm like the disciples. I want to call down fire. I mean, I'm up here and I'm preaching this and I I had to get on my knees this week and say, Lord, I'm a hypocrite. (laughs) Oftentimes, my heart, my desire is to call down fire like those disciples. I mean, it happened this week. My wife looked at me and says, Nick, your spirit is not right. She got to be Jesus. I was the disciples. Way to be the spiritual leader there, Nick. How often do we want to be like those disciples? Or just call down fire. If, if, we, if we see the destruction of Jerusalem, we'd be like, yep, they got what was coming to them. They were warned. somebody's sin messes with our lives, it's like we want to get back. It's like we want to let them know. We want to let them know all those opposites of mercy. We want to let them know that we don't approve. We want to let them know that we disdain. We're not saying don't engage it. The Bible tells us to engage it. The right thing to do is to go to that person and to work it out. But where's our heart in that? Is our heart vengeful? Is our heart delight when we see other people struggling with their own sin? Does our heart crave that, man, we laid down the law. Does our heart crave that fire to come down? See, the truth is, when I delight in seeing that in other people, when I want to call down fire like those disciples, when I want to say, man, they messed up, but I'm going to let them know, when well, my heart wants to do that, here's the hard truth. In that moment, I'm not satisfied with how Christ has already dealt with that sin. As a Christian, when somebody sins, that sin's already been punished. Christ died for that sin. That sin nailed Jesus to the cross. And when I want to get them and when I want to let them know how that was wrong, all I'm saying is, yeah, God, I know you were nailed to the cross for that, but I want to put a nail on them. See, Jesus died for that sin. Jesus has shown us mercy. And so often our knee-jerk response is not to share that mercy. Our knee-jerk response is to forget that mercy and to get even. So many times in my own heart, it's like, I just want to let you know what you did wrong, I want to make sure that you get what you have coming through you. And guys, I'm here to say, Jesus already died for that sin. It was nailed to the cross. It's a finished, it's done. Jesus' mercy led him to have this sympathetic attitude, even towards people that rejected him, even towards people that are going to suffer the wrath of God. There's no doubt about it. We're not not ignoring that. We're not saying ignore sin. We're not saying don't deal with it. But what we are saying is, where's our heart? Does our heart weep? Does our heart break? Have we forgotten the mercy that Jesus Christ has shown us? The truth is, no matter what anybody does to me, that's nothing compared to my offense towards Christ. And when I forget how merciful he's been to me, it's no wonder I want to get even. But when I stop and I remember, God, you've been so merciful to me. God, you died for me. You endured all that agony on the cross. You endured being beaten. You endured being betrayed. You endured being forsaken by your own Father for me. God, I can show your mercy. Thank you, God, for your mercy. We must remember his mercy. The mercy of Jesus led him to respond in a way that was different. You say, how does the spirit respond when we're in the middle of the messiness of sin? Galatians 6 gives us a great picture. It says, brethren, if a man's overtaken in a fault, restore. You that are spiritual, you that are spirit-filled, here's the spirit-filled response. Restore him. Don't forsake him. Don't kick him to the curb. Don't let him just suffer. No, restore him. If you were to study out that word, uh, overtaken in a fault, you could study it out. And as you study out, you're going to find it means the sin is being dealt with. It's not being swept under the carpet. Restoration is happening. We're going through the process of making it right. But our response should be to restore him. And then get verse 2 of Galatians 6. It says, bear ye one another's burdens now in this context of restoring someone who's been broken by sin the burden that we are to help them bear is the messiness of their sin when the spirit of god is working through me and someone's sin affects my life the right spirit filled the spirit through me he's going to show his mercy not by getting even but by me coming along and helping that christian bear that burden when someone makes a mistake or when they sin against us Our our heart should not be, I'm going to get them. I'm going to let them know. No, our heart should be the mercy of Jesus. The mercy that we have been shown, and Jesus wants to flow through us. Our deepest desire is to share his mercy. Jesus wept because he knew the destruction that was coming to Jerusalem. He weeps because it's like, his heart is broken. That's how incredible his mercy is. We see the mercy of Jesus matted itself through sacrifice it manifested itself through the sympathetic and heart now let's look at the last way the mercy of jesus manifests itself this morning flip over to luke 24 verses 46 through 47 jesus said unto them thus it was written and thus it behooved christ christ thought it was good to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that the repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. The last manifestation of the mercy of Christ, as we look at the events around Palm Sunday, and as we look at the path Jesus took to the cross, and we see his sacrifice, the last um, manifestation of his mercy we see is the substitutional mercy of Jesus. Jesus died for our sins. We deserve the full wrath of God. We deserve to be punished for our sins. We deserve to die for our sins. But Jesus, in his mercy, said, I will die for you. I will be your substitute. I will die in your place. I will absorb the wrath of God for you. The mercy of Jesus led him to take our place. You see, God is a gracious creator of all things and he loves us more than we could ever imagine, but as our creator, he will hold us responsible for our actions, and all of us have chosen to sin. Therefore, we deserve the consequences. Because of our sin, we deserve to experience the full wrath of God. The Bible says in Romans three twenty three, for all have sinned. All of us have come short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned against God. All of us deserve to face that penalty. Romans six twenty three says, for the wages of sin is death, We deserve this. It's what we have earned in our sin. All of us have rejected God and God as a gracious creator has to hold us responsible. But Romans 6.23 doesn't end with the wages of sin and death. It goes on to say, but
0: the gift
1: of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In love, God sent Jesus to die on the cross and rise from the dead in order to pay the penalty for our sin. While we deserved it, Jesus said, I'll take it. I'll take that punishment. I will die for you. The Bible says in Romans 5.8, but God commended his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, even though we were sinners, even though we desi- deserve to die for our sin, Jesus says, I will die for you. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died in our place. The only way to be forgiven for the penalty of sin is by placing your faith in Jesus as your Savior and trusting him and nothing else. We must place our faith in him. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.8.9, for by grace are you saved through faith not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. This is God's free gift to us. He died in our place. That's what Easter is all about. Jesus dying for our sin. The truth is, we are more wicked than we ever dared to believe. When someone comes to me and they say, I can't believe Nick did that. If you only knew what Jesus knew, (laughs) you could say a whole lot more. We are more wicked than we ever dared to believe, but at the same time, we are more loved and accepted than we ever dared to hope because Jesus died for us. He died in our place. We don't have to experience God's wrath. We don't have to experience the destruction. We don't have to experience the punishment for our sin. We don't have to experience that. Why? Because Jesus is our substitute. He said, I love you so much, I'll do it for you. I will die for you. I will endure the sacrifice. I will endure the rejection. I will endure God forsaking me because I love you so much. I will die for your sin. See, the beautiful thing about the mercy of God, it's not dependent on me. If it was, there would be no hope. And even when I am not merciful, God is still merciful to me. Even when we fail to share his mercy, he still pours it out. He's constantly pouring it out. It's a never-ending fountain of His mercy that flows and flows and flows and we just get to sit there and take it all in and then be conduits of it and share with those around us. The beautiful thing about mercy is it's not dependent on me. The burden to show mercy is not on me. The weight of having to show mercy towards the lost world is not on me. Jesus took it all for me and He wants to live it through me. Imagine how different our lives would look if we would all just yield to the Holy Spirit of God and share the mercy of Jesus. Imagine how different our lives would be. Imagine the impact that could happen if this group would walk out of here so overwhelmed with how God's mercy has been poured out to them that we can't help but share it with everybody around us. We are so overwhelmed with God's mercy when I did not deserve it. We are so overwhelmed with the mercy that He has given to us that it just overflows in our marriage, and it overflows in our family, and this mercy overflows in our relationships, and it overflows in your connection group, and it overflows in your church, and it overflows at your workplace. Imagine a group of people so overwhelmed with the mercy of God, unleashed on a city that's so in desperate need of the mercy of Jesus. Imagine the impact that could happen. Maybe sitting here like, Nick, that sounds like some great kind of utopia, but I don't think so. It's, it's not a stretch. It's really not. Because the mercy of Jesus is in you. Because Jesus Christ is in you. His Holy Spirit is in you. His mercy is in you. Your deepest desire is to share the mercy of Jesus. Ignore the lies of your loudest desire. Ignore the lies of the world. Listen to the Holy Spirit deep inside of you. He wants to share his mercy through you. It's not a stretch. It's, it's normal. Because that's Jesus in us. We must remember his mercy. That's 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 the takeaway this morning. Remember His mercy. When you look at the events of Palm Sunday, as this week, as we look towards the cross and we look towards the resurrection this week, remember His mercy.
0: Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the Teaching and Preaching Ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.